Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the latest episode of Only Fools and Brotherly Forces. As always, joined by my brother Bobby. Hello, hello Jamie, how are we doing? Not too bad, not too bad. It's pretty early so might have a little bit of a croaky voice this morning but uh, all feeling good. Yeah, it's pretty late my end as well so for completely different reasons we're going to have the same problem. This is going to be fun. <laughs> okay, so um, quite an iconic episode um, we're going to be looking at today. Uh, the Russians are coming. Um, watching it, it was uh, as much fun as I anticipated and remembered. Uh, loved every minute. There's some great scenes and some really nice, heartfelt moments. Um, generally, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a, it's. I think we said this a lot, but this is definitely like top five, definitely top ten, sort of just classic. Only falls. Uh, obviously, ends the first series, not including the Christmas special. Yeah, and. What what a great end to the series! It's a fantastic episode. I'm looking forward to. It's so hard to say uh, say top five or even top ten. Like in my mind, I think this is probably like the winner for the series for sure. But then I just think about future episodes, and there's so many also iconic ones. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends how you judge. Like, are we judging on what's our favourite? In which case, I'm not even going to open up that book for until we're done. But in terms of just real classic episodes it's right up there um but anyway let's stop beating around the bush let's go straight for it why do only fools and horses work cool scene one then uh the yard where del comes on to show rodney um something that he's just purchased um that scarf. I wrote down the same thing. Right, the, the only thing that's equally as bad as Rodney's scarf is on the same part of the body, Dell's collar. He's massive. Oh, I didn't notice. It's, like a, it's a bit weird to have a collar that size, especially in the 80s. It was a massive like 70s throwback. The thing is insane. But yeah, yeah, that's um, interesting neck attire was my, was my takeaway from the opener. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Rodney does wear a scarf a couple of other times a bit later. But it was just quite a random thing to chuck in there. But hey, what can you do? And also you see later when, when Del Boy bends down and the camera kind of goes down, he's wearing these like baggy jumpsuit trousers that kind of come in tight around the ankle. Just a really, oh, really? really weird outfit all over. Like it's, it's, it's unusual for Rodney to stand out because of his clothes, but he does and not in a good way. <laughs> One thing I really liked um, was actually that I don't know if you noticed, but the the background, the background, the backdrop was a really sort of London backdrop. It's you can't see lots of it, but you've got like a, sort of an industrial built up uh, metropolitan look for the old big smoke London background during this scene, which is nice, which you don't always see too often. It's normally quite quite tight, but yeah, it's quite quite cool and very well I actually wrote chim chimney chim chim chiru because it reminded me, um, remind me of Mary Poppins and all that sort of I stuff. I literally watched that scene yesterday <laughs> as in Mary Poppins not this scene. <laughs> Why? It was on TV and I never missed an opportunity to laugh at Dick Van Dyke. Um, so yeah the, uh, this opening concept I really enjoyed it it was basically you know Del Boy has bought this massive pile of bricks from an area that's just been demolished and it's essentially a simple storage hunters for a modern analogy type scenario. He's bought the pile on on the idea that he'll get his money back from the bricks and anything else is a Brucey bonus. Um, it's great. It's just good, simple wheeler dealing. I love it. Well, at one point, uh, Rodney questions the legality of it all. And I was curious as to realistically what it might be. I mean, it's probably not, probably a bit boring to actually focus on, but I was wondering if legally actually 
he might have been fine if he's claimed that or not. But I, it, you're right. It, it would be boring. It'd be based on did he buy a pile of bricks or did he buy and a load of shit within a certain square meter area in a field. But that that is an area so boring. I refuse to continue talking about it. Um, but yes, so basically they've discovered lead, lots of it. Um, I'm going to make lots of money, and apparently finding lead is fine. I meant to Google more about the dangers of, of lead and them casually rubbing their hands on it and storing it in tight spaces for long periods of time. I didn't go down that rabbit hole, but, you know. Yeah, oh, it's not that bad. Uh, well, apparently, neither of them died. Um, <laughs> so they take it all back to the flat, or at least not, not the bricks, but all the all the kind of parts. Apparently, there's there's lots of stuff under there from this company that used to sell free prefabricated buildings um the one thing i get a little bit aggravated with in this scene is a classic kind of movie mistake tv thing which is why does tv always always fail to make boxes that clearly have nothing in them and actors trying to make it look heavy why don't they just give them a slightly heavier box why don't they give them an, a next to empty box and tell the actors... Is this when they're back in the flat? Yeah, back in the flat. They're bringing all the stuff in and they're like carrying it. They're doing this classic like actor thing of carrying a box that's clearly basically empty and going, oh, that's a heavy box. I'll just gently place it all my back. They're trying to make it look heavy, but it isn't and they're not doing a good job of it. Oh, right. It's just bad acting. I didn't notice that either way. <laughs> well, clearly. Anyway, right. So moving swiftly on... Um, Rodney's gotten a little bit obsessed with this uh, nuclear fallout shelter he's found among the rubble. Um, did you notice Rodney was wearing a weirdly large amount of makeup in this scene? No, I did not. I have. No? I do seem to have a memory of, of that happening every now and then, but I didn't yeah. notice it here. It's not the first time, but I it just seems to show a lot. But, you know, whatever, I won't, I'll get over it. But, uh, yeah, so they're going on about this fallout shelter. And this is obviously contextually very interesting at the time. This is what early 80s it is peak cold war so i imagine that you know the concept of nuclear fallout shelters and generally nuclear war is pretty topical um as it coincidentally is again today uh i mean you basically could call the episode the north koreans are coming and all the references work and anyone today would get it yeah i mean it's funny they're saying about not being prepared for war and stuff like I don't know. Should there be much paranoia at that sort of scale? Maybe in the centre of London, you know, you, you even now you might start to think about something about that. I don't suppose that he says about, uh, you know, what's the two minute warning and everyone's four minute warning, warning yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, four minute warning, and uh, send out all the ice cream vans playing their jingles and stuff. Like, with so much fake news and stuff these days, and this is just a bit of a digression, but I mean, if something was actually to happen, and they were certain that that a war or some sort of bombing was imminent how how would you actually have everyone genuinely believe that something was true well norway actually has a solution to this problem um oh, really? maybe the first time i mentioned i live in norway and um yeah there's a there's quite regularly these massive sirens that go off kind of like a air raid siren type warning and if it happens at midday then you know it's a test. If you hear it, you look at the clock, it's midday, it's just a test, testing system. But they do it for, yeah, basically it means put on your radio or look for news. There's there's something kind of to be aware of. It's like a system that they have. Pretty interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, Norway was like occupied by the Nazis in the Second World War, so I guess maybe that made them prepared for this kind of thing. Um, but yeah, really weird. Norway has a solution for that problem, but in terms of the British equivalent, 
I mean, nowadays, I guess you could just get Facebook to send everyone in the country an alert. But um, Yeah, I suppose actually a, an actual alert from Facebook, actually, that's how silly is that? But if it actually came directly on your notifications, then yeah. maybe you'd actually think it was real. I, I would get a if someone shared it, oh, you know, LOL, yeah. bomber coming over. You know, like, you'd be like, <laughs> on your bike. I guarantee a BBC News notification would be my first indication that anything weird was going on. Oh yeah, I suppose, but not everyone has that. Anyway, no. digression. Um, so they decide that they well, they they start to entertain the idea of of what would happen um, if if shit was to hit the fan, and they talk about putting the uh, fallout shelter possibly on Grandad's allotment, um, and they've got four minutes to try and get there. So they decide to do a trial run. Grandad's allotment. That's only a couple of miles up the road. We could do that in four minutes. Yeah, on a Sunday. With a following wind, maybe. Well, let's give it a go, eh? We'll have a dummy run and time ourselves. I'll get me stopwatch. The running being the optimum point here. Uh, I love the start of this when Del Boy and Rodney, you see, it breaks to them sprinting out the flat, asking where's Grandad because he can't keep up. And then they go back and grab him and literally sprint with him. He's losing oh, his yeah. shoes. and like It's it's brilliantly done. Like, what a sport Leonard Pierce must have been to do this. It's no, an ba- awesome he's, thing. He's basically like air running. It's like a <laughs> yeah. cartoon or something or Sonic. <laughs> it is great. So that's just you know, classic slapstick, but really like it. Um, the weird thing about all, this whole four-minute warning test is Rodney seems to know, have sat down before done all the maths of how long it would take the bombs to travel from Russia to London and then worked out at what time every point would be and then memorised it, apparently. Yeah, yeah. I don't put that past Rodney. I think that's within his within his capability. He's and nowhere he's... near as intelligent as Dell likes to pretend he is. <laughs> um, and I thought it was quite, quite funny that, I mean, Grandad has just been dragged into the back of the car going like 100 miles per hour. And the first thing he says is, put your foot down, Dale Boy, or whatever. Like, still <laughs> yeah. Go for it. Like, Grandad's <laughs> yeah. well up for it. <laughs> yeah, he's properly on this little game. He, yeah, I mean, what, he actually knows what war looks like, so, yeah, he's not going to mess about. Because if you are the best, but you don't ask questions, then, brother, I'm your man. Uh, after trying to get there in record time, they get stopped by the police. The best bit of this scene, for me, is... Well, I say the best bit of the scene. The weirdest thing is I have found that the character Wayne, the policeman, who you never see, never speak, you barely even get an outline of him, he's got a credit. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like Wikipedia credits who he is. I was like, <laughs> how, what? It's not, you can't, it's not even an extra. I guess there was, there's possibly someone actually in the car and it was genuinely a panda, uh, a, a police car. And actually had to turn it off and on. So I'm, I'm essentially it's not an acting credit, but it is like a um, a roadie <clears throat> credit sound. Band. If he's been paid as an actor, then he's obviously got a fantastic agent. <laughs> <laughs> I, my guess is there's another scene with him in that was cut. That's that would be my uh, bit of like random headcanon for it. Could happen. Um, yeah. the, the the police car is so. Amazingly old. It's really, really funny. I mean, I know that we rubbish, see isn't it? cars, but yeah, it's so, <laughs> so rubbish. Even actually, I don't know if you noticed, but the number plate of the car is actually OLD. I didn't. It says something like OLD six five seven or something. I just happened to notice it as I was writing. That's pretty old. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm guessing it's you know with the time, but yeah, they are 
they do just look naff. It's just, you can't. I, it's nothing you would run away scared from, is it? I mean, <laughs> I mean, an eighties yeah. police car like that. It's um, not not particularly intimidating. So they've been done for just casually doing sixty miles per hour in a built-up area. Just so fast in that van as well. Yeah. <laughs> Cooper doesn't seem that fast. Like, oh, you're right, mate. How's it going? Yeah, yeah, not so yeah. bad. Sixty bit, bit, bit breaking the limit. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, this comes back in a later episode where you know Dale says, you know, gets on with coppers and he knows them all and they're good blokes and stuff, even if he doesn't like them. Um, and this is that kind of situation where you know there's a lot of. I think even today there's a lot of these types of policemen about in like. If you live in somewhere small enough where you might bump into the same person regularly, probably less common these days, but your old kind of local policeman you'd know well, he'd kind of not even give you a slap on the wrist, but just kind of let you know that you were doing something you maybe shouldn't. Not even really pointing out the fact that it might be wrong, but just going, just so you know. Uh, it's nice, it's a very like quaint thing that maybe isn't so common anymore, but... No, I know I don't think so. Um, but this is this is all summed up pretty nice that he's relaxed when um, he starts listing off uh, items that he's looking for, and you, you guess he's on the trail for some stolen goods, but actually just wants them to to have for his wife for a, a holiday they got coming up. So, I yeah. mean, co- co- corruption in the police back then was unbelievably rife. Um, our old man was actually in the um, in the map. Um, sort of around that sort of time I guess a little bit later um, yeah similar, similar time yeah 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 um, but yeah we've heard heard all sorts of crazy stories about that sort of thing but, so it's probably not too far from the truth I would say no I would have thought definitely not and what I like about that is it's not because when you think corruption you think like people trying to get by and like wrongdoing people but this almost is like kind of the most feeble type of corruption because all it is is he's got his job he is a whatever it is sergeant on a you know a very average salary, and he's like, "This is fine. I'll just do this job forever and never really nick anyone I like." I think it's uh, <laughs> it's just quite a nice little idea of a lifestyle. Um, it's it's I like quite like it. But I think that pretty much sums up the uh, that scene. They, they fail miserably. Um, bombs gone over, um, and they're all dead essentially. Um, and then Granddad pokes his head out of the car and decides that he's got a great idea, um, which sounds ominous. Uh, and we cut to straight inside the shelter. Um, I think that the shelter is pretty intensely designed. Um, yeah. Looking at the essential build quality of it, um, how long it would have taken just those three to erect that, I have no idea. But it wouldn't have days. been Days. <laughs> no, so many days. <laughs> it's it's full on. Like they've obviously, to, to, as the set, they've obviously gone and got. I think two or th- well, three walls of a fallout shelter. Like it's it's the proper business. It's got shelves in there and like all the bits and bits. This isn't a trial run. It's not like putting up a tent. This is a like a well a per- not even a semi permanent a permanent structure that's meant to stay there with lots of fixtures and fittings. It would take probably months. You know, chemical toilet, filters, electrics, the lot. <laughs> I think it does look really good though as far as like a piece of the, the set is concerned it does look genuinely like a shelter and they've done uh, a really good job on design um, of that um, as they're talking about uh, as the opening conversation sort of goes in they mention a couple of things Concord for one which um, I, I've always been heartbroken that I never got to travel on one but yeah they list all these they list the, the Concord and such 
has a, quite a long list of things that Dell says he can buy for a thousand pounds once he sells the lead. I was amazed by the length of this list because it wasn't like one or the other. He was under the impression he could buy all these things. Damn, were things a lot cheaper thirty years ago? Like I know inflation's a thing. Oh, I but think it's just one of each, isn't it? Not like not like all of them together. Maybe maybe, maybe I misheard. From the way I heard it, it sounded like he was going to do all of them, like the Concord Holiday, the Rolex watch, um, and all this sort of stuff. Like I was just like. I think you nah. maybe he's not had a thousand pounds kicking around very often, but I'm pretty sure it won't do you all that. No, nah, I think it's one, not not both. I think we need to um very very doesn't not doesn't happen very for only falls uh, very often in only falls and horses, but um we can go to a sort of vaguely serious and somber moment um as um well I, I think it's a bit hectic but but it's quoted to say that um the youth has been denied a decent war, which I think is a really controversial statement straight away but granddad puts him right pretty quickly by saying yeah glorious all right and um i think just for the the poignancy of it oh it's probably worth just paying what what granddad says there because it is a real moment where um you do sort of sit and and actually have a moment to think about what he talks about which doesn't happen a lot and actually for leonard pierce who's only in three series he he only has a handful of you know heartfelt serious moments and i think he delivers this really really well so we'll we'll play what he says here in reference to the glorious war i remember when i was a little nipper and i saw the soldiers marching off to battle oh yes it was a glorious sight all right my brother george was at passchendaele and half a million allied troops died there all for five miles of mud I was at King's Cross Station when his regiment come home after the armistice. Most of them was carried off the train. I saw men with limbs missing, blind men, men who couldn't breathe properly because their lungs had been shot to bits by mustard gas. While the nation celebrated, they was hidden away in big grey buildings, far from the public gaze. I mean, Courage like that could put you right off your victory dinner, couldn't it? They promised us homes fit for heroes. They give us heroes fit for homes. Beautiful. Um, yeah, I mean, th- th- this this whole scene is for me one of the the defining characteristics of Only Fools is its ability to get emotional. There are almost no series that do this level of emotional as regularly as they do. They might do it once or twice in the entire lifetime of a series, like one wedding or the final episode when a series finishes. And of course, does it all the time. It jumps from emotional to funny and just has absolutely no fear about it. And it's one of the things I think makes it so loved in Britain is the way that they can do that. And yeah, it's great. I mean, I completely side, obviously, with with Grandad on this speech. I mean, I've studied history. I'm fascinated by history and war and studying it, but I still think it's awful. And like, it's the whole idea of it being a sort of a noble, great, and brave thing is, of course, ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it's just um, it's just so poignant. And one of the things was they bring up uh, Grandad brings up an, a brother called George, an older brother. Um, I'm not sure if he's mentioned again, but he certainly is never mentioned by Albert, as far as I'm aware. Um, no mention of Albert. 
I'm pretty sure Albert is never mentioned until he just suddenly turns up. Yeah. Um, but uh, that was that was interesting. Um, and yeah, uh, I think it's the only other thing that I wanted to mention that he talks about is um, mustard gas. I actually quite recently had the unfortunate pleasure of smelling mustard gas. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, we accidentally made it at work. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, so I, I work in a in a craft brewery, and so we deal with a lot of chemicals, and um, just a particular combination of chemicals we'd used in slightly quick succession, maybe without rinsing quite as thoroughly as we should have, um, created this quite weird aroma, which someone pointed out to me, and we kind of had a tiny little delicate sniff and went, yep, that'll be mustard then. Let's <laughs> let's not go too close to that tank today. <laughs> it's all open the doors. It's not it's not a great advert for your brewery. Maybe not. A... <laughs> it's fine. Maybe it's, not. <laughs> it's, we didn't put it in any beer. It's just a, a thing that happened. You know. You know. It no. wouldn't do anyone else any harm, but we just tried to kill ourselves. That was fine. But you know, these things can happen. Um, so they do they do quite a uh, a good job of very slowly but but quickly if that makes sense coming out of that um, emotional scene. So there's a little joke about lying about the age, and then it sort of just peters off and gets back into the the normal rhythm. Um, and I think is this the first time we see one of Dell's elaborate pajamas? I don't think we've seen. I, I think it is, and they are. Oh no no his... no 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 no! Second time around. Um, he has some when Pauline is um, dragging him around. Yes, he wasn't that. Wasn't one of the jokes that's like her dressing gown? No, no, he's wearing her shoes. Is it her shoes? That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's already established that he wears insane night attire. Yeah, yeah, and this is quite a nice um, silky white with a big massive D on it. Yeah, it's funny because again, it, it's quite topical because um, Hugh Hefner recently died, and that is kind of the style that Del Boy seems to be pulling off sometimes with his night attire. It is insane. It is Hugh Hefner-esque and something you could only get away with. Well, should have only been able to get away with in the 80s, although he did drag it on for a while. It's pretty special. I've never thought of comparing Del Boy to Hugh Hefner, but there are some similarities well, Neither have I, but, you, you know, it's not the most unfair comparison that's ever been made. No, for sure. No. I'm sure we'll annoy some people with that. Um, we'll get some emails. So then they move on to, um, well, I think either just before or just after this, they're doing the maths of all the things they need in order to survive this uh, hypothetical nuclear war. And for me, this is this is the thing that all um, bunkers and you know people that they've got they've got a name. It's like you know the people that expect Armageddon to happen and who like hoard stuff. And so they hoard like water and power and stuff like that to kind of see through this. Weirdos, yeah, well, nutters, yeah, basically. I'm sure Louis Theroux will do a documentary on him one day. But you need so much stuff. Like if you imagine not being able to buy anything, and these like the you do literally need warehouses full of shit if you're going to survive off the grid for a for years. I just think. Apart from the odd government one that probably is stored by warehouses, anything like this, like personal fallout shelter, does seem pointless. 
Well, a lot a lot of it isn't designed just for chemical warfare. I mean, the whole thing that they're concluding is the fact that there's chemical um, weapons of some description, which means that there's, uh, you know, that it's toxic and um, that they, they can't get outside because of radiation. But realistically, for most big, dirty bombs and whatever, it's just a fallout to, to be away from all the falling rubble and stuff of, of the houses. I don't think they're not designed as being chemical fallout shelters for for years but even if they're not chemical weapons that they're using the whole point you know cold war is that they're nuclear bombs and yes okay they're not dropping chemicals but the result of the nuclear bomb explosion results in a nuclear winter which therefore means you have to stay in your shelter and you need the food to survive that because you can't go outside because it's nuclear winter so either way i mean you know, any any scenario of Cold War happens. There's got to be a, an Indian shot around the corner open somewhere, as they say. Yeah, delicately um, put. Which is yes. funny, actually, because there's another, just after that little comment, which, of course, you could never make these days, and, you know, rightly so, um, is when they start talking about uh, a girl that Rodney had been recently dating. They start referring to the girls, the quality of the girls that Rodney goes out with in in peacetime, let alone in wartime, and they just start refer talking about this girl at length as it, and a bit ragged, and all that kind of stuff. And it's just when I hear conversations like that, I do just kind of shudder. It's just like, oh, really? that's so bad. It's so bad. Like I got the same thing watching um, like the original Alfie movie with Michael Caine. He always refers to women as it, um, and it's just. It's awful. Like, it is awful. How did anyone ever think that's just completely fine? Like, it's so bad. And Bobby Hall uh, representing feminism today. <laughs> Damn right. Oh, I'm sorry. It is just... It is terrible. I, it is like talking about your pet and not in a nice way. Oh, don't it's don't just, get wrong. I, it I is disgraceful. Walk, I, don't, I, don't walk around, <laughs> I don't walk around being degrading to women, but I mean... Within the confines of blokey conversations, you know, we say and do things that that aren't that are just chauvinistic and a bit jokey and jovial. They're not actually taken seriously. And as three blokes in there, I don't think they're actually I think they're just making light of the situation. I don't think I judge them for being sexist or whatever. Yeah, I mean, sure, there's things I've probably said in my life that I wouldn't want recorded and played back to me. But I've never referred to a person. I've never <laughs> referred to a woman as it. That's bad. But, but yeah, it's the 80s. Um, we kind of went a little bit forwards on um, that. But with the, uh, the, during that conversation, they're talking about um, <clears throat> Rodney having everyone back in uniform and stuff. And uh, Dale calls him a uh, perverted sicko, which is quite funny. This is kind of, I think, um, one, of the, one of the early indications of, of Rodney's um, uniform uh, fetish and, and just generally being a bit perverse. We should be better at recording this kind of stuff because I can't remember and going back and keeping records because it, it may be the first reference of his obsession with uniforms, but I can't quite remember. There may have been no, a policewoman reference already. Yeah, no. Again, I think um, I think earlier, maybe Slowbuster Chingford. No, no. Uh, one of that ones, I think it talks about his, um, his thing for a policewoman in uniform and stuff. Um, There's the one where he's trying to dress up his girlfriend as a policewoman. We've had that already, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, it, yeah, we've had that, yeah. So we've established already that he is a perv. Uh, yeah, 
<laughs> so we're just building Great. up his perverseness. Dale just takes him down so quickly. It's just, it's great. Rodney building his perfect future, and Dale's just like, <laughs> no, no. We get quite a throwaway comment um, here. Granddad just says, "War is hell," kind of in the middle of nowhere, and it kind of doesn't really get addressed again. But I, I liked it anyway, so I'm just saying it. Yeah, it, it is a that is a famous quote, right? I, they they argue about who says it, and actually, I think they both get it wrong. I did try to Google it, but I think I got distracted um, by the rest of the episode. But yeah, he, Grandad is saying it as a quote from someone, and then Rodney says, oh no, wasn't it this other person? And actually, I think they're both wrong. Um, just after this, uh, I think it's the only one, and we get a little cheeky French phrase, um, mm. when he says, uh, the, the noblesse. Which I had to research because I kind of felt like it must have been incorrect, but it is actually spelt exactly that. Nobles, yeah. N-O-B-L-E-S-S. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, the old nobility. Um, and then we get a little bit of joke as uh, they're trying to sleep and then having a bit of a chat, and um, they reference the granddad as as being the queen mother as they sort of talk about them them essentially taking over the the country because there's no one left and they're recreating the human race and i just got I, just, I don't know if you get this but whenever i hear that line i get a really good visual of granddad like in like a pink uh, queen mother's sort of like jacket and soppy hat and i don't know why but it's yeah, like a really 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 great visual it's an instant image i mean the queen mother now is i mean i guess you could just for those who are too young can just picture the Queen probably now is about the same age the Queen Mother was when we, we were kids, I think. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's a great little visual because <laughs> he always wears a hat as well. you just got to swap the hat to, to a royal dodgy uh, dodgy woolen hat and then you're done. Yeah, so we eventually close up here. They decide to go to sleep. Um, and so I guess my last real point of, of the episode is, so they discuss the time. And then they say it's midnight. And then they pan out. And it's broad daylight. And of course, everyone's laughing because they've now revealed, the big reveal is that they've built it on the balcony of their flat. Now balcony, definitely the roof. Is it the roof? Yeah, it's the roof. Sorry, yeah, of course not the balcony. It's on the roof of the of the of Nelson, Nelson Mandela, Mandela House. Yeah. Um, now you've got a problem with this, haven't you? I've got a couple <laughs> of problems see. with this. <laughs> First of all, if we're talking about chemical warfare, it ain't that stupid to build it on the roof of a skyscraper? Quite well, obviously that. Obviously, that's. Uh... Hmm. Are they laughing because it's a terrible idea? Because if a bomb got dropped, they would be thrown to the floor, or are Correct. they laughing because the whole thing is just a, just amusing generally? No, just because if 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 there was going to be falling large buildings, it is the absolute worst place you could possibly be. True, but if they were on Granddad's allotment and there was a nuclear bomb, they'd be equally obliterated. Like, that little lead lining isn't stopping an actual explosion. It's keeping them safe from the radiation. Not, not, not equally. There's a, there's a small chance <laughs> that it might hold its structure and get battered and someone might survive. Being Fair. 
20 however many stories of Nelson Mandela House that we should definitely look up that coming to the floor there is less than 0% chance if I remember rightly from another episode they live on the 12th floor why do I feel like you're just you're just learning this for the first time like have you never thought about this well no no I've thought about it many times and I've always thought well it depends on the bomb it isn't necessarily a stupid idea I'm giving them a bit more credit giving them so much credit yeah, why not? Because um, I'm basing this on the nuclear winter argument. <laughs> After the nuclear bomb, which has just uh, grounded all large buildings in the area. Well, it depends how close to the area you are, you know. <laughs> um, but also the fact it's daylight, is that what people are laughing at? Because they've got the time so wrong? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah? How have yeah. they lost track of time in a day? I mean, they've got watches. <laughs> Quite easy. I was thinking if it, if it was a zombie apocalypse, then maybe on top of the roof would be a good idea. That would um, be a fantastic place. What zombie walks up twenty five flights of stairs? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's actually in 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 a film about a zombie thing. Someone's at the top floor. But anyway, um, but yeah, for 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 nuclear fallout and and bombs, I I don't think it's their best decision. I don't know. I've, I, yeah, there's nothing for it either way. Um, but yes, it's a good. You know, it's a classic. It's one of the classic kind of final reveals. Um, and it's and it's a big laugh, and it's kind of seen as this kind of silly idea. They don't really understand what they're doing. Some of us obviously didn't get it though. <laughs> well, some of us just just watched it so many times that they've ever think overthought it. That's the problem. I'm sure if I watched this for the first time around in the '80s, several of the points I've made wouldn't have occurred to me. But I am watching this <laughs> for the five millionth time <laughs> in 2000 <laughs> in the late 21st century. Um, sorry, early 21st century. Um, but yeah, I think. The weirdest thing I noticed about this episode was I actually didn't find myself laughing out loud as often as I have in the the rest of the episodes in the series. I think there were there were loads and loads of great funny gag moments and lots of laughs, but I don't think there was one moment that made me properly crack up. Um, but I didn't mind that because overall I think it's an amazing episode and the way they deal with the emotional side and the funny side. I think it makes you think and makes you chuckle. But actually... I was surprised it wasn't as funny as I remembered. Yeah, I think I think this is a, a more of a conceptual um, funny than a, than a physically funny. Like when um, when Granddad has run out of the house, that is, I probably did laugh out loud then. But a lot of it is just a bit of a, a building storyline. But it's not mm. it's not a laugh out loud, and, and you don't hear the audience sort of falling over themselves. And there isn't that no, big exactly, slapstick yeah. moment that there mm. is in a lot of the episodes. But it was yeah, but but that was quite nice. Yeah, I mean, I, it's yeah, it's a classic episode for for a reason. I think it hits all the bases. It does all the things only falls of horses does well. Uh, there's a couple of slapstick moments. You know, Del Boy being clever, but then them also being stupid emotional it it just absolutely has everything and it's great i think and also despite you know us despite being a long time later so many of the references points still work you know they're joking about how rodney is paranoid about the end of the world and del boy is basically saying shut up you tart like don't worry about it and i think it's the same today you get some people that worry about this stuff a lot and think it's a big deal but most people are just like you know ain't nobody got time for that just crack on with their life um and it's fun to explore those kind of two different different sides i think it's done really well yeah i think that's enough uh <clears throat> enough for thoughts on the episodes um pretty much getting to time so we 
should probably have a quick uh, ponder about the next episode, uh, which is Christmas Cracker. Uh, a nice Christmas special there. Um, we, we spoke briefly before uh, we started recording and said that we were surprised that it was, that it was this episode that had come up so early um, with the, uh, the arrival of uh, their father. Um, was it Roy or Rog? Roy? Roy, my boy? Uh, no, Roy is Slater. Oh, yeah. Reg. Reg, Reg, there we go. I know it's online somewhere. Um, <laughs> so when when Reg comes up, it kind of it, it, it does always feel like it was later in the series that he came. Um, mm. I don't know. I think some of my perceptions of this episode is it's he's, he's quite a horrible person, and I think that kind of makes you not like him and possibly some of the episode because it's just a little bit shitty. But I'm curious to see how it actually pans out. Yeah, it's. It is a quite a complex episode, and you're right. It feels like when I think back through the series that they built him up more before you met him. Where actually, he's only had one or two throwaway mentions, and then it's the big meat. Uh, maybe you watched it out of order the first or few times you watched it, kind of thing. It for me, if I if I if you would have to quiz me a, a month ago, I would have said it was at the end of series two. Uh, you know, series two Christmas special. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm damn looking forward to it. It's, uh, you know, it's a cracker. It's a big episode. It's um, again, it's one that hits those poignant moments and and laughing moments. So, uh, yeah, can't wait. Not really any music in this episode. So for the outro, we're just going to go along with a bit of the the title, and we're just going to go for some sort of Russian wartime um, crazy style music. So catch up with you next week. Thanks for joining us. Thanks very much. Goodbye. Thanks very much for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook, forward slash Only Fools Brothers, or on Twitter, we're at Only Fools Bros. Or if you want to send us a longer message, you can email us at onlyfoolsbrothers at gmail.com. Also, really appreciate it if you could give us some sort of rating or review on your podcast app of choice. Thanks very much. Goodbye.